Hey guys, welcome to Peace of Authenticity with the Andersons. We're live every Monday morning and we want to be current and authentic and genuine in every topic that we bring for you guys. Nothing is more refreshing than when people are open and honest with their walk with God. And that's just what we want to do. We want to have conversations with you weekly that ignite you and challenge you to be the best that you can be. A lot of times we think that we have to have it all put together and we put on masks to get through our week. But here, we want to be able to just talk it out. Exactly how it comes out is exactly how it's going to be. So join in on the conversation. I wanted to start this different, not like every single one of them, but I couldn't think of what to say. <laughs> so let's just go back to the same old, same old. Hey, everybody. What's Happy Monday. <laughs> yeah, it's another, it's another Monday. Were you wondering what I was doing when yeah. I pushed record? Well, Jordan was like hitting the record button to start recording and she just had like a smile on her face that I, you know, I'm just kind of, what's funny? <laughs> but yeah. Here we go. Um, so when we were talking about the podcast for this week, there was a dream that I had about two nights ago, and it's just kind of, I wrote it down. You know, there's those certain dreams that you have where you know that it's the Lord speaking to you. It's like it's like a prophetic dream that you know um, that the Lord wants to tell you something through. And we actually um, have pillowcases that say on the pillowcases, prophetic dreams happen here. And like, when we got those, your sister got them for us for Christmas, I think. Yeah. We loved them. Like, it was, you could tell a real difference because then I think whenever that proclamation is, like, out there, it's like you're more, when you dream things, you really think, like, was that a prophetic dream? Because most of the time our dreams do mean something. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of the times we're like, that's weird. Anyways, moving on. I, I encourage you guys, when you have a dream that's stuck in your head and you remember it very well, write it down and date it. Because I really do think the Lord's trying to tell you something. Yeah. Because there could be warning dreams. There could be um, encouraging dreams. There could be all different kinds of dreams. Even some dreams that are telling you what is to come too. Um, even where you're at. That maybe sometimes our emotions are so deep down that it takes a dream for us to realize exactly what we're going through. Yeah. But yeah, there's a little recap there on dreams. So I'm going to explain a little bit of this dream I had the other night. So um, we were in this building. I don't know what building it was, but Aubrey and I were just walking around on the top, um, just the first story. I don't know if there were two stories. I just know um, there there was a lower deck. And so Aubrey and I were walking around, and I had this sense, because we were passing people, and it was fine. It wasn't like they were being rude, but I felt like um, we weren't very safe. It's like if if Aubrey and I fully showed somebody who we were, we could get hurt. It, it, it was just this knowing I had in my head. It wasn't anything anybody that was passing us was doing or anything like that. It was, it was weird. I just had a knowing that we couldn't fully be what we wanted to be, maybe, mm. there. And so then this atomic bomb comes down, and it hits the building. And we're further back in the building. It hit the front of the building, and I remember thinking in my head, this is going to kill us. I mean, this is an atomic bomb. And so I knew the bomb... Uh, um, like the uh, t- the explosion of the bomb was coming towards us because it was a very bright light. And so I turned and, and Aubrey and I both saw the staircase that went down. 
And so we went down this staircase, we went down another staircase, we turned down this hallway, went down another staircase. And the point was that that light from the explosion followed us, maybe the couple staircases we went down at the beginning, but then it couldn't go where we were going because we were just going deeper and deeper. And then when we finally hit the bottom, we walk into this basement sort of area and there were already people down there. And there was a whiteboard and there were things written on this board. And it's like people were taking in the information that was on the board. And there was this guy that was in charge and he was like, um, I could tell he was assigning people things to do. And we just like kind of jumped in with them. And I don't remember any assignment that was given to us or anything like that. But I had the knowing that once we were given an assignment, we were going back up. And then I woke up. Hmm. Yeah, I know. That's exactly what Aubrey did the first time I told him about my dream. He's like, hmm. <laughs> and so let me tell you a little bit about what I felt this dream was about. I I believe that um, there's a lot. I know we've talked about the wild ones, the people that are very hungry and the Lord showing them new revelations and actually challenging um, these people and theologies that they've kind of believed their whole life and having um, you see something that you've seen a certain way your whole life, having you see it, differently and it's been it's been a season of growth for us it's been a season of um newfound discoveries wouldn't you say Aubrey like I don't know how else to explain it but that is it like the Lord's just showing us things that he's never shown us before and we've never really known before it's just it's so hard to explain but so I think that's why it started because not everybody has been awoken and it's not like we know everything guys. The thing is, I think we just sat still long enough for the Lord to show us some things that really changed our perspective. And then we were just hungry for more and, you know, just went there with him where he wanted to take us. And so, but I really do believe in the world. There's not a whole lot of us that have fully awoken to what the Lord has um, for us or for the people around us or, you know, for America and the world right now. And so whenever I was walking around at the beginning, I think that that's what that feeling was because there was a lot of people walking around us that hadn't had the, uh, the awakening that we had had. And so whenever I, um, really prayed about it and thought about it, that atomic bomb, I believe, or maybe things to come, just some things in the world that I'm not saying nobody's going, I don't know if anyone can get bombed. Yes. I hope not. Don't don't go and start being a doomsday person. <laughs> I but. just really believe that I think the enemy has a plan and it's to blow some stuff up in a mm. in a not so good way, but I think the Lord has a plan to blow some stuff up too. Okay. But um I believe this is like the craziness and actually um what I noticed was the further we went down it couldn't it couldn't get to us anymore. And so I think the deeper we go with the Lord in this season and the deeper we get, like he wants to go deep with us. He wants us yeah. to look inside of ourselves, look at his word, reflect, see our reflection in him, you know, and get to that place with him where it goes from glory to glory, from grace to grace. We're going deeper and deeper and deeper. And once you just decide to go deeper with him, you're going to find out there are like-minded people down there with you and that there are strategies from heaven and blueprints from heaven being handed out to people and yeah and you and when you get to that place you know that you're equipped with everything that you need to get back up there and help spread the kingdom on the earth where those other people were that weren't awakened yeah well and and i think that that um that has a lot of spiritual significance but it could have practical significance too like maybe maybe say that uh that that the lord the lord has ideas for you on how to grow your business or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or strategies for you to be more influential yes. strategies 
for uh because um I think that I think that when when the Bible says that that God has plans for us to prosper and for our good it's not all the same for everybody. Yeah. This this is not a it's not a prosperity gospel type teaching where we're talking about oh if you want more money, you know, go to the Lord and he'll give you business ideas so you can become rich. Listen, for some people that may be the case. Mm-hmm. May, maybe maybe the Lord knows, you know, hey, if I give Aubrey millions of dollars, he'll give it to my kingdom and he'll be a you know, he'll be a giver, a servant. You know, may, maybe that maybe that is the case. But for somebody else, the the plan and the purpose for the Lord might not be a multi-million dollar business. Maybe it's something influential, spiritual for where you could wake up and see the gifting that God's placed inside of you and you can use that to change the world. I really see that this time Aubrey Revival looks so different. Yeah. We've got to <clears throat> kick out what we think a revival looks like by what it's looked like the past few years because what you're talking about in businesses, you're talking yeah. about all these different things. Revival's going to happen everywhere. In the markets, It's yeah. not going to happen only in the four walls of the church. I'm not saying it's not, but that is not the only place. I think that's the beauty of this time to open our eyes to the churches everywhere. The church is intertwined. Yeah. The church, you know, the church can... Ha- it can happen at Walmart. I mean, if you bump into a fellow believer and you're talking about how good God is, that is church. I mean, revival is going to happen in ways that we've never seen before. And we've got to just kick out that whole notion of um, revival is a three nights in a row, starting on a Sunday night, a Monday night, and a Tuesday night. And we're just yeah. going to seek the Lord. Right. Like, that's not what it's going to look like anymore. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Are you looking up something? Yeah, no, sorry. I, I got I got sidetracked. <laughs> um, oh. I think I think it's important for everybody to understand the Azusa Street Revival in in the early 1900s. Right mm-hmm. was was started the start of the three year revival um, began when Seymour and seven men were waiting on God on Bonnie Bray Street when suddenly, as though hit by a bolt of lightning, they were knocked from their chairs to the floor. And the other seven man be- men began to speak in tongues and shouting out loud, praising God. Mm. Everyone knows wow. about the Azusa Street Revival. Everyone knows. You, I mean, you can't be a Christian today and not know about... I mean, maybe you don't even agree with it. Maybe, you know, maybe there's sides of theology that mm-hmm. don't agree with it, but they still know about it. Mm-hmm. Azusa Street changed the trajectory of of uh moving in the spirit for a long time and it started literally with seven people meeting on a street. Yeah. You know, and and I think it's important also that one of the things that Jordan and I have been talking a lot about was John the Baptist. Mhm. And you know, John the Baptist as we know all know in scripture was um he was baptizing people and he even baptized Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, we we learned that in scripture that Jesus comes along and he's like, "Oh, it, this is him. This is it. This is what I've been my entire ministry has led up to this point." And now that you're saying that, Aubrey, I, I thought while well, we were reading that, I just remembered, so I'm just going to say it real quick. It talks about how so many people didn't see Jesus as a Messiah. He, they it just went right over their head, and I think that that's yeah. going to there's going to be people like John the Baptist like right when they see it like that's that's, that's it. it. This is, yeah. There could be a lot of people that we have to have grace for, but also speak the truth to. It's going to go right over their head. There was a lot of people up until that point that had seen Jesus. Mm-hmm. They, they they had seen Jesus. And even after that point, 
a lot of people that have seen Jesus. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, the Bible says that after John submerged, you know, puts Jesus down in the water, just complete submersion, pulls him back out. A dove comes down. The glory of the Lord shines upon him. A dove comes down and rests on his shoulder. And a voice from the sky says, This is my son in whom mm -hmm. I am well pleased. First of all, everybody in attendance right there, if they didn't know, if you don't know, now you know. I mean, I, I'm just saying that it, it couldn't have been more obvious in, in that moment. But even still, you're saying there, I bet that there were a lot of people that walked away from that and they were like, well, I don't know, maybe that was just a fluke thing. You know, did I really hear that? And, you know, did I, you know, and a, a lot of times they were, they probably walked away and they had all the, the, the signs leading up to the Messiah. They had all the scripture that they needed that was all pointing the way to Jesus coming. But it was almost like that scripture just became something that was there. They almost lost sight and they stopped looking. Or they looked beyond him and they were like, no, this dude's just the son of a carpenter. He's not going to free us from the Romans. It's just... You know what I'm saying? You know, and also... Okay, this is another parallel, Aubrey, that all of the Jews believed the Messiah was going to come and deliver them from Roman rule. Right. And that's such small thinking. Jesus came to save the whole world yeah they not they just get the view. jews out from under Roman. we think yeah. so small and so that's another thing about this revo revival time that's coming don't expect it to be a certain thing don't because i'm telling you right now it's going to be twice as big times a thousand well you think. you think about it i just read the beginning of azusa street it was mm -hmm. literally seven people yeah sitting in, in the street I mean, I mean, I don't know if they were literally in the street, but you know what I'm saying? But they mm -hmm. were they were meeting together and they were contending for the glory of God. And those seven people carried something uh, further for th the next three years that changed history. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that they set out that night to be like, you know what? So we're, we're going to start a revival tonight. Who knows how many other nights they had probably tried the same thing mm -hmm. or tried to do the... But, what, but what I was getting to a second ago with the John the Baptist stuff mm -hmm. is literally John was doing his ministry, preparing the way for Jesus to come. And he was doing it in the highways and the byways. Yes. He was baptizing in the section of the river mm -hmm. where most people were already headed to, to cross, right? That's yeah, what that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, that was the crossing right. point. So he yeah. intersected people where where they were. Yes, exactly. And so I think with with the with the new revival that is coming that the Lord is going to use you where you're intersecting with mm -hmm. people in your business, mm -hmm. where you're intersecting with people in grocery stores mm -hmm. and in uh movie theaters, any anywhere restaurants, anywhere yes. that you go where you're intersecting people. I think that that the people that are carrying the fire of God mm -hmm are going to begin to spread just in in the highways and the byways. It's not going to be about meeting at, at a certain location. It's not going to be about oh, you know, we, we don't need we don't need a a gathering point that the that the fire is going to spread like crazy. And here's one thing that I want to say about your dream a second ago. As as you go deeper 
right? That the Lord is calling us, the Bible says, as deep calls unto deep. Mm-hmm. God wants us to <clears throat> dig deeper. God wants us to dig that hole. And also, you know, if you watch any movies where they're talking about, you know, uh, nuclear warfare, people are building bunkers underground because underground is, is where it's safe. But mm-hmm. also, it's like that song, underground is where life begins. Mm. Things are given life mm. underground, plants, you know, everything like that. Like whenever you feel you've been buried, you've actually been planted. Yeah. I mean, it's, but it's, it's talking about that shift there that, that goes from, I'm not just going underground because in your dream, you're talking about going underground, but as you're going underground, you're given blueprints, you're given exactly. life, like things are bursting out of you. And so it's it's like that that different perspective that says it, it's it's basically it's basically like this perspective right here. David David is in the cave and he's hiding from Saul, and he could have easily looked at 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 like this dark period where he's hidden in darkness. But the Bible actually tells us, and it's funny because the message that we heard today from Pastor Arliss, he actually talked about this, and mm-hmm. and David chose to look at that time as uh i'm i'm being hidden in the cleft of the rock jesus says that like as or not not jesus says that david says that in in the missa he says he writes in there and he's like i've been hidden away in the cleft of the rock being protected he knew that god had him at that point he was with him right and and that that he was he was there for a reason and he could have looked at it as I've just been buried in this cave but instead he's like I've been planted here in the cleft of the rock and I know that God is for me and if God is for me who can be against me right and, and so it's it's that shift in thinking that says you know I might feel buried mm-hmm. but underground <clears throat> is where life begins mm-hmm. So I'm going to continue to dig and dig and dig until I get to the place where it's like, okay, Lord, I know this is my purpose. I know this is the plan. Give me the blueprint for it so that I can walk in it. Mm, That's so good. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. At that place where John was baptizing people, it was actually before he baptized Jesus. Let me rewind a little bit. The Pharisees pulled him over to the side and they were like, hey, we've noticed you're kind of making a ruckus with this talk that you're doing, so we need to know. Are you Elisha? Are you Moses? Why do they always go back to the early prophets? It's like, they they asked anybody that was like seeming to be pretty, you know, like spiritual, like, yo, are you Elijah? Come, like, are you you Moses? Like, okay, people, like, what? But they pulled him to the side and they were asking him, like, is this who you are? And he's like, um, no. This was John's reply. He said, I am an urgent, thundering voice shouting in the desert. Clear the way and prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord Yahweh. The Lord is calling forth John the Baptist's um, that mantle in this time. Because mm. I believe that this is the time where Jesus is coming back. He's coming for that second time. And I believe he's going to do something um, similar. He's going to prepare people that are going to do what John said. They, it's going to be an urgent thundering voice shouting in the desert, clear the way and prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord Yahweh. Yeah. And I love that he said an urgent thundering voice shouting in the desert. Yeah. 
the, the desert place has always, yes, in the Bible, been a place of a wasteland where you feel like there's there's nothing growing that you're just like, oh, there's so many people out there that are hurting. Like, just look around you. Don't yeah. just go to Walmart with tunnel vision. Look around you because, like, I'll never forget one time I was sitting on our porch and there was a lady that went by and you can tell when someone's on drugs. She was talking to herself. She was just very much... Um, on something and I just heard the Lord say pray for her mind he was pretty detailed and if I wouldn't have paid attention to her and kept reading my book or doing whatever I was doing I wouldn't have been able to intercede for that woman I don't even know who she is you know what I mean we just or just been be, like oh she's annoying she's you know, crazy like, who is she uh, talking to <laughs> she interrupted my, the best chapter of this book yeah you know? and, and it's just like being aware that the Lord is going to be speaking to you, being mm-hmm. aware that the Lord loves this person that is in front of you at the line at Walmart, just so much, just as much as you just, like just being aware that God knows every single person and what they're going through and who's hurting. So just be aware, you know, yeah. and, and be that voice shouting in the desert to clear the way and prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord Yahweh. Cause I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of people that are not preparing their hearts. They're stuck in their little day-to-day, I go to church, I go to work, I go to this, I go to that, I go to... And we're so stuck in our own way, we're not looking around to be able to be the John the Baptist that the Lord needs. And then um, I love to... Aubrey, there's a part later here where um, Jesus came, you know, like you talked about, and John uh, baptized him. And Jesus ended up coming, it was either the next day or a little bit of time after. I can't remember exactly, but... Jesus came back and it said that John the Baptist had two of his followers with him and he pointed to Jesus and he's like, he was telling his followers, he said, that's the Messiah, that's the son of living God. He's going to make a way for, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And his followers left him to follow Jesus. And that is the beauty of discipleship because what we do, what a lot of people have gotten stuck on is they have their followers, right? You have your... um, Maybe people that come to you for advice all the time or or even like in your church, you have whatever whatever it is, we have followers, we have people looking at us, right? So how many of us would say once we point to who Jesus is, if they left to follow Jesus and didn't always come to you because they they had this one line of communication between them and Jesus instead of now you being the middleman, would you be okay with that? Yeah, they cut you out. <laughs> exactly. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. You didn't hear at the end, John is like, uh, oh, you're going to leave me? Oh, that's how it's going to be? No. Like, that's how it's supposed to be. That's why he turned to his followers and he said, that is the Messiah over there. We, Our job is to point others to Jesus, not to what we can do. Not, oh, look at me with this prophetic word for you. Look at me with this talent yeah. I have. Look at me with this. Oh, I, I can get a word for you. Do we have to be pointing people to Jesus. We have to be making sure that people are building a relationship with Jesus, not with your ministry, not with what you're doing. And we can't allow Christians to have crutches anymore. Yeah. Oh, that's a good statement. Well, it's the the difference, the difference of everything, everything points to Jesus, not a part of of what I think that that is my my job is to just tell people who Jesus is the gospel is go and you make disciples you teach people how to follow Jesus on their own mm-hmm. and that's the goal it's not it's not about uh building numbers of or or taking any type of treasures here on earth for the amount of people that are following you John was like 
I imagine that those two guys were like, hey, we're, we need to we need to go follow Jesus. And he's probably like, I don't blame you. I'm, my position is here. Exactly. I'm going to still be here baptizing people. And pointing more. Yeah, and, and pointing, you know, pe- you know, pointing more people to Jesus. But also, like, my position's here. If you feel led to follow Jesus that way, go with him. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be okay. I'm 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 John. I'm just here, a thundering voice crying in the wilderness, and it's, that's cool. Oh my gosh, it's humility. Blech. It's humility. Yeah. <laughs> it's humility, people, because it's like what John said. Like, well, John didn't say that, but you said, <laughs> which I'm sure he said, because he's like, don't worry about me. I'm doing what the Lord's called me to do right here, and I'm perfectly yeah. fine with it. If the Lord leaves me right here and I don't grow anymore, I don't go to. The Sea of Galilee and baptize even more people. I'm just right here where people are passing by. If this is all the Lord's called me to do right here, this is all I need. So a lot of us, like, we keep looking to the future of what the Lord has called us there in the future far away. And we can't stop looking at it. But what are we missing in the right now that the Lord has called us to do? Yeah. And are we humble enough to, you know, not despise our small beginnings? Yeah. For the Lord rejoices to see the job be done, you know. Yeah, well, and, and it's like opening your, your perspective to a lot of people that that we talk to, and even including me, I'm guilty of it. It's like, I just got to get this done. I got to go run here. I got to go do this errand. I got to go to this ball game. I have to go. And, and we get so laser focused in our mind mm-hmm. that there's no room for the Lord to be like, hey, that person next to you, like, say hi to them. Mm-hmm. spark up a conversation with them and it might even cross your mind but it's just like lord i don't have i don't have time for that i do you have you have you seen the list of things that i have going on mm-hmm. when the lord is trying to say I, I think about going deeper you know you talked about that in in your dream and talking about going down to the different levels deeper 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 and and i know we've talked about this before on the podcast but i i think about moses and i think about the fact that they are wandering around in the wilderness and still every day Moses was forcing himself he didn't have a choice I have to get to that tent of meeting outside of the camp and meet face to face with the Lord the, the the bible the bible says that 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 he he had he went there once a day because I imagine Moses, like most of us, if you were leading a million people, you'd be sitting here going, man, I have to have the Lord every day. Mm-hmm. But what do we do? We're leading our families. We're, we're, we're doing our job, but, but we're doing that in our own strength. you know. And so we get used to our level. So we dig to a certain level of deep and then we stop. Mm-hmm. But Moses found success, even though he never got to see the promised land and not because of any fault of his own. But he was like, I cannot afford not to be at that tent of meeting, right? Meeting with the Lord, taking the time out to do that, going deeper. And then without even realizing it, just by that one action, he decided, like he multiplied himself into Joshua. Mm-hmm. Joshua used to wait on the outside of that tent for him to come out. And without even realizing it, just by Moses going and digging deeper and meeting face-to-face with the Lord, he was discipling Joshua without even ever doing anything. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, the, the Bible tells us that when Moses realized that he was reaching the end of his life, 
the Lord had to tell him, go and get Joshua. Joshua is going to be the one to take, you know, to lead Israel after you're done. So Moses didn't even knowingly set out and be like, you know what? I'm going to multiply myself into Joshua. Joshua was literally discipled through Moses because Moses was only following God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes we try to make it too complicated, discipling. Yeah. Um, because discipling is loving on people and challenging people and teaching. that. But it doesn't look exactly like you think. When, you th- when I say teaching, if you think of someone pointing at a whiteboard, teaching, like, that's not yeah. it. Um, and the thing is, the Lord's going to bring people into your life, and he's going to equip you to be exactly what those people need as someone to lead them and disciple them and to point them to Jesus. I think we've overcomplicated it, and that's why a lot of churches have just backed out of the whole discipleship thing. So let's all come together on a Sunday. The pastor give a good word. We get a good worship feel going on, and then we we'll go back home. And hopefully that's stuck, you know? Well, we aim for salvations. Yeah, and then... Which, I, listen... The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when somebody comes yes. to know Jesus. I'm I'm not taking away from the salvations, but a lot of times, a lot of churches, that's all they care about. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like yeah. they, they're just, okay, well, this many people got saved in our church. You know, I, it has to go a step further because Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples mm-hmm. of many nations. It it didn't just say, you know, go and convert everybody. Make sure they say yes to Jesus and then leave them right there. Yes. That's the beauty of the five-fold ministry. Yeah. Func- functioning in the church. And when I say functioning in the church, I don't mean functioning in the four walls. I mean functioning as a church body. Yeah. Everywhere. Because everywhere. Um, the evangelist <clears throat> does the salvations, which is so, like, you know, I mean, other people. It's not just evangelists that save people, but that's like the main part of an evangelist yeah. to declare, you know, the gospel of Jesus and people to be saved. If you drop it off right there, there's four other folds that are not being utilized. That's why yeah. the four folds, just the five folds, just like our fingers. Try lose a finger and see how hard it is to do something. You're, you're, it's, it'll surprise you. Well, so it can still things. be done, but it's not as effective. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be you know? as like smooth and it's going to be a yeah. little harder on one of the other fingers, yeah. you know? Well, and I, I think that it's also important to, to understand that digging deeper, you know, a lot of times we get this physical image of, of like digging a hole or, you know, going down underground. But I love hearing the stories about the underground churches like in China and stuff. They're not really underground. Nobody's, Mm -hmm. nobody's having church like in a hole in the ground. They're having them in homes and everything like that, but they're calling it underground because they can't go public with it. Mm -hmm. But I even heard stories in, in Francis Chan even told a story about how one church in China was going for two years and all they had was one page of the Bible. And they were meeting weekly and people were being saved and coming to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ off of one page of the Bible. And mm. people in, they call it, I think it's a double meaning. It's called underground church over there in those countries where people are being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Mm-hmm. But they're, 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 it's underground because it's secretive because it has to be 
But yet, I think that in those, there's a lot of birthing that's taking place. Life is beginning, mm-hmm. you know, underground. As we said, underground is where life begins. Underground church, it's that they've they've been given blueprints that can that can make it work, and we think things have to be a certain way. Um, but we we have to we have to get deeper into that, and it doesn't literally mean like digging a hole or anything, but it's just like saying, Lord. I'm ready. I want to come to a tent of meeting like Moses did. Lord, meet me here. The veil's torn, mm-hmm. right? The veil's torn, so there is no separation between us and God. Yeah. That there is no separation. So it's like, but you still have to dig in there to build that relationship. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And I think we're gonna talk more about what the Lord is going to be doing and what the Lord is is working and orchestrating right now to prepare. Yeah. what is to come because we were listening to a podcast with um jesse green mario murillo and larry sparks and it was fire like aubrey and i were getting so pumped listening to this thing yeah and they were just like ping-ponging off of each other like the holy spirit was just like it gives me chill bumps even talking about it because like what they were saying was everything aubrey and i have been feeling, but mm-hmm. put into these eloquent words that sometimes I feel like I can't put into, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, that is just so good. But there's so much more. Oh my God. You know, yeah. that's in my head. But there's something that they said, and I love it because they talked about the Jesus movement that happened in the 80s. And they said that was amazing, right? But that was kind of like, Jesus has two different sides to him. He has the lion, he has the lamb. Mm. And the Jesus revolution was like the lamb. It was peace, love, flowers. Jesus loves you, right? Yeah. This revol- this revival and revolution coming forth, it's the lion. Mm. And we haven't seen this before, the way it's going to unfold. Yeah. Because the lion has to come forth because the enemy is kind of throwing all of his cards out on the table. And yeah. he's just given his all. You look around, you'll see it. Yeah. So the lion has to come. And I just, I, I can't wait. Well, I think I think a lot of times when we think about revival, and you know, we'll we'll wrap it up here in just a second, um, so we can you guys can get to the rest of your week. But a lot of times when we think about revival, a lot of people go back into the past, and they're like, "Well, if we can reduplicate this, yeah, the glory days of the church, mm-hmm. then we can make revival happen again. We just got to spark it. We got to get people turning, you know." And the Bible does say, let us stir up the gifts in one another. Yeah. But what I love about revival that's happening right now in California, which nobody knows anything about exactly. because, yeah. no, you know, all of us in the Midwest, nothing good ever comes in California. But the Greens. That's what they who, said about Nazareth. Right. The, the, you know, the, the Greens who Jordan was just talking about was on that podcast. They literally, in California, they shut down all the churches. And so they were like, okay, you want to shut down our building? We'll go to the beach. Mm-hmm. Thousands of people, mm-hmm. thousands of people are being baptized, saved, baptized, mm-hmm. delivered mm-hmm. every week on the beaches in California. And the government tried to come in and shut down that too. And they're mm-hmm. like, but this is wide open space. There is no, there are people that are literally being drawn to it. And they're like, we just saw a huge crowd over here. Can I be baptized next? Like literally people are just coming and lining up to be baptized, and to be changed because it's real. Exactly. That's what I was about to say, Aubrey, because it's not that cookie cutter, sprinkle a little sugar on it, make it sweet gospel. Yeah. Like this is the real true gospel. And you don't, I'm getting real hyped because the thing is the word of God is all you need. We try to zhuzh it up with some fog 
what what did Mar- what yeah. did Mario no Miller it makes say? me feel bad because like he kind of <laughs> attacked my style for a second but he said yeah we got we got big screens skinny jeans and fog machines yes that's what, that's what Mario Murillo said <laughs> but guess what people want the real thing yeah you can't just judge something up that's just it doesn't have consistency if it's not the full word of God then I don't want it and it and, and it's simple it's the gospel yep that's it and. Anybody oh, can preach it. Anybody can preach the gospel. Anybody that has access to a Bible can preach the gospel. And and mm-hmm. it's real. And it, it's relevant. And people are drawn to it. That One of the cool things they said, and then I'll just be done. We'll that. keep saying that. We yeah. just keep getting excited. Um, we just keep getting excited <laughs> because one of the things that they said was um, they, they, they were putting up these you know, speakers and everything on the beach and like somebody was just up there just literally preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's nothing special about any of these people. I never even heard of these people no, until they either. started this revival during the pandemic. And then they became our but, heroes. <laughs> yeah, now there are, because like, it's raw, it's like on the beach. That would be the coolest church to go to, by the way, yeah. on the beach. But they said that people would just walk up there and that you could tell that they were people that were confused by what was happening, but they were literally just preaching the gospel. That's it. Mm-hmm. And people were being drawn to it. Mm-hmm. And they were, and they were like, what's this baptism stuff you're talking about? Can, you know, or they would, people would just line up while mm-hmm. they were baptizing other people and be like, Hey, can I be next? I don't know what this is, but I know that I need it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just real. And it's, it's the gospel. It's the Bible that truly changes people. There's nothing that we can do about it. Mm-hmm. To we can't disciple people without the gospel. Mm-hmm. There, there is no, there is no righteousness without Jesus. There, there is nothing that's worth anything mm-hmm. without the gospel. Yep. it is the end all, be all of everything that we believe, and so we have to take away all the non essentials and just stick with the essentials and say, God, give me a blueprint on how I personally can use this we got to get in deep like your dream was talking about we mm-hmm. got to get in there we got to get we got to get as deep calls and we have deep. to be willing to go deeper yeah and it's going to take time and it's going to take sacrifice and lord i don't want our i don't want our uh ministries to look like anyone else's yeah. i want what you have for me mm-hmm. and for my family and i'm willing to go deep and i'm willing to continue to dig until you show me what that is mm-hmm. That's the cry of our heart. And that's got to be the cry. If you really, everybody's preaching revival. Everybody's saying that revival is coming. But if we don't dig deep, mm-hmm. then it's not. We're just going to yeah. try to recreate something that's already been created. Yeah. And God doesn't do the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Any big miracle you read in the Bible, he does new things. Yep, He's up to new things. He's going to use new ways to blow your mind. Yeah. But here we are. Dig deep. Dig deep. Man. Yeah. I don't know how to end that. Maybe with a mic <laughs> just, drop. Yeah, just end it, it right there before it gets too long. But listen, guys, I pray <laughs> that you have a great week. Lord, just be with everybody that's listening to this podcast right now. Lord, I just pray as deep calls unto deep, Lord, that, that your Holy Spirit draws each and every person that tuned in to this podcast, Lord, even even begin to speak to them right now. And we went a little bit over time, Lord, but I just pray for them on this Monday morning that you will refresh them, that you will mm-hmm. ignite them. Lord, start a fire in each and every home that tunes into this podcast. Lord, have your way, and we give this all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. All right. Have a great week. Bye-bye.